uh, I just need a glass of water. I tried to play with that, didn't work. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't open it, please, sir. I'm sorry. Yeah. It needs a better skill and a greater anointing. Yeah, just put it here, sir. Uh, it's such an honor for me to serve this church. Uh, two pastors looking at me. Making me nervous. And I'm very grateful to my friend Lindsay when he introduced this church. But I'm not new to Parapram. Uh, in fact, two weeks back I was here uh, speaking in another church. Yes, me, my brother, my sister-in-law, we are from India. But, uh, well, I came to know the Lord in 1981. In fact, he met with the Lord even before I could meet with the Lord. Uh, he used to write seven to eight pages of letters. Those days we never had email, your mail, my mail, no mail, right? <laughs> so he was trying to tell me, please, repent. I would, I would read the last two lines, tear the letter, and put it in the bin. He, he doesn't know that. Yeah. But I had an encounter with the Lord. Now, guys, please, why was it, why was it uh, something, I won't call it difficult. See, India is a country where everybody would talk about some God. See, in New Zealand, is a country where everybody talks about their ex-wife. Am I telling the truth? No, wherever I go, please. At the end of the conversation, that is the center of the whole thing. So when people talk to me about their God, I would ask them two questions. The first question is, show me what your God is doing in your life. Yeah, today the worship was excellent. There's a great atmosphere. But I would ask the same question. You have to show somebody what your God is doing in your life. Because people believe in all kinds of God, and New Zealand is a country where people don't want to believe in any kind of God. New Zealand is called, correct, all blacks. New Zealand is a country which is calling itself non-religious nation. Americans don't understand. Americans are very religious people. Religion is like eating a cheeseburger. I tell them, no. Show me what your God is doing in your life. The second question is, show me what you and your God are doing together. A lot of people will just walk away. They will call me an idiot, whatever it is, but who cares? But even though I was challenging people deep in my heart, I really wanted to know what God can do in a person's life. And what a person and God can do together. This was my beginning. So in 1981, I met with the Lord. Everybody told me, go to a Bible school, go to a Bible school. That was a culture. Even here in New Zealand, everybody goes to Tauranga, and then they come back and they don't know what to do. I've met so many students who've gone through all kinds of Bible schools, which is not wrong at all, which is not wrong. But I started reading the Bible. There are a few scriptures which hit me very hard. The first scripture is, follow me, I will make you. 
follow me, I will make you. So I went and asked my pastor, what will I become? What will I become? He said, Sunday school teacher, Bible study leader, youth choir. I used to play the violin a little bit. I said, but then, follow me, I will become, I will become, I will become. Finally, my pastor said, you're annoying me, can you leave the church? I said, why should I leave your church? The church had a lot of pretty girls. <laughs> so it's an Anglican church, please. Anglicans, they know how to make up. <laughs> then somebody said, you need the Holy Spirit. I said, wow, what is the Holy Spirit? I said, that's the Holy Spirit? I said, fine, I'll take the Holy Spirit. I went to a Pentecost church. The pastor said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues. And then he told me, now, now you should speak in tongues. I said, for what? You have to practice to speak in tongues. Guys, believe me, I used to speak in tongues for seven hours. After a while, I couldn't even move my jaws. I went and asked him, so what is happening to me? What is happening to me? Because I want to become, I want to become. And then the Bible says, oh, you have to define your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the world. I went and asked him, tell me what's my Jerusalem? What's my Samaria? What's my Judea? They call me crazy. 1981, my journey began. Even today, I'm getting crazier and crazier and crazier. I'm not a good preacher at all, please. I'm not a good preacher. Everybody said, go to ministry. I said, I didn't know what was ministry. Then everybody said, go to full-time ministry, half-time ministry, part-time ministry, no-time ministry. I prayed, Lord, I will never apply for a job. My, my dad was a top government officer. He would just say, I've spoke to that guy, I've spoke to him, just go join the job. I told God, no, I won't apply. I want somebody to come and pick me up. But it should be ministry, it should be traveling, because Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Somebody from World Vision, World Vision India, is one of the largest Christian organizations in India. The man came and said, so you are an MBA. I'm, I'm a highly qualified for Indian standards. My brother is a doctorate. His wife is a doctorate. Guys, yes. Truly, we believed in education. He said, okay, come join World Vision tomorrow. I said, what is it? He said, ministry. I said, wow, ministry. And then I said, will I travel? He said, yeah, you can travel. I joined. So nine years I served with World Vision. So what I found was World Vision was a ministry which could hand out things. We are handing out, we are handing out, we are handing out. But I told them, along with handing out, can we give Jesus? So people were accepting Christ, and the particular leadership at that time did not appreciate it. They said, no, we are only showing the love of Jesus. So this is the love of Jesus. But they shouldn't accept Jesus. Hallelujah. I said, Jesus won't understand. How can you give the love without helping somebody to receive Christ? 
They said, no, we are not called for that. I joined a missionary movement in India that is the fastest growing even today. They planned still at least 4,000, 5,000 churches. They took me as a missions director. My life was very exciting, traveling all over India, traveling to other nations, every week getting 200, 300 people baptized. Now, why do I say that? Listen, guys, some of you are sitting here, and this church is an awesome church, center church. I want you to ask yourself, can I make some changes in my life to produce some fruit in New Zealand? God told me to resign. I said, why? He told me, I'm going to trust you and send you to many nations. I said, man, please, if I resign, I can't even go to the airport. Please, no plane is going to land in my kitchen. Yeah, India, nobody will give you money. Nobody will. See, you have to beg. I said, no, I'm not going to beg. So let me keep my job. And I was married, and I had two children. I said, please, it's not fair at all. You should have told me before I got married. I would have been a pope or a nun. You get me married, and then you give me children, and now you say resign. I cried. But the Lord said, up to you. Up to you. How many of you know God would never force you? God would never impose anything on you. My wife is a very strong lady. She still always said, if God says, why don't you do it? I resigned. After three, four years, God told me to go to New Zealand. I said, why New Zealand? Why? Because the average Indian thought pattern was go to America or Canada or countries in the Middle East. Nobody would consider New Zealand at that time, 1996. The Lord told me, New Zealand is a forerunner nation. I said, I don't understand. The Lord said, New Zealand will raise Elijah's and Elijah's. I said, such a small nation, more sheep than men. I can come and make lamb curry. The Lord said, I'm going to put my fire in New Zealand. The whole nation. I said, God, please, what about India? What about India? I mean, please, I was selfish. What's wrong? New Zealand at the time had about 6 million people. India was nearly 1 billion. I told God, do it in India. If you want, I will visit New Zealand. The Lord said, no, move to New Zealand. Move. I came here in 1997. I was very excited. My wife was a school teacher. But then the Lord said, you will not even apply for a job. You will not start your own business. And nobody told me there's winds here, W-I-N-Z. Nobody told me in India. I didn't check with the Lord. When I came here, some people thought I was really crazy. My Indian friends who were concerned about me. They took me to winds and they said, just go and tell winds, the lady there. Just tell her, your wife is kind of not a good lady. I said, but my wife is a good lady. No, go tell them. They are not going to come and check. And you have two children. Tell them you have to take care of the children so you can't work. You can't work. 
I said, but that's not true. They said, they are not going to come and check. And they will pay you something every week. I said, wow. I just say my wife is not a good lady, and they pay me. How many of you like that? I went, I didn't say something like that. I said, I'm taking care of the children. So the lady was a Samoan lady. So she said, fill in this form. She didn't ask me any questions. 1997, they never asked too many questions. And then I asked her, ma'am, will I be able to travel to nations? She said, why would you travel? You don't have a job. You're just taking care of your children. Why would you travel? I said, my God wants me to travel. She just looked at me. She said, are you crazy? If you come under this, you can't even go to the airport. I said, forgive me, madam, please. I can't do that. She took me aside and she said, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm trying to help you. I said, but ma'am, I'm a man of God. I'm supposed to travel. Then she asked, what kind of job, what kind of business? I said, no, God has told me not to do that. She laughed at me. Then she said, if God sends you, it'll be awesome. She prayed for me. She's a good believer, but she told me, I don't understand. I don't understand, but praise God. My brother, my sister, God led me to a Samoan church. Can you imagine an Indian being part of a Samoan church? They just took me, and in 15 days, they put me on an airplane to Samoa. God said, I'm doing it. Say that, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. People heard me in Samoa. People took me to Fiji. I visited all the islands, all the islands in the South Pacific. Of course, Australia opened up. So I took a goal, and I traveled to 15 countries. Everybody laughed at me. But my God was faithful, guys. Make God work on your behalf. Make God work on your behalf. I made it 20. I made it 30. But this nation, this nation, yes, I lived in Auckland. I had an office in a place called Panmure. A girl called Jasmine was helping me. But people, people, they, they loved me in this nation. People like Bill Subritsky, Western Carrier. They all respected me. They, they, they would call me and say, can we do things together? Every month I would come to Wellington. Every month. Every month. I've come and spoken to a few churches here. There's a campsite here. I, I, I forgot the name. Yeah. I used to come and do some camps here. So it was very interesting. God told me, love this nation. Travel through this nation. Love this nation. Travel through this nation. 2006, the Lord said, I'm going to take you to America. I said, why? Why? I mean, by then, I had an office. People knew me. I was on the national television, a program called Hallelujah Healers. Me, Bill Sobritsky, and Western Carrier. It was very interesting. They came to my house, and they told me, this is not a spiritual program, national TV. They told me we will bring 30 people who are sick. They have never gone to a church. 
They don't know Jesus. They don't have any kind of faith. In your meetings, we used to do meetings, me, Brother Bill, and I used to do meetings, public meetings in Auckland, Wellington. They said, we will bring these people, they will sit anywhere they want. When you call them up, the camera will be on them. If your Jesus heals them, if your Jesus heals them, we will publicly say, yes, Jesus healed them. If your Jesus did not heal them, we will publicly say, your Jesus did not heal them. I asked them, who else have you contacted? They said, about 30, 40 pastors. I said, what did they say? They said, no, they don't want to do it. Then I said, so who is willing to do it? Bill Subritsky, Western Carrier. I went to Brother Bill's house. I told him, they are trying to throw mud on your face. He said, yes, Peter, yes. I said, if they throw mud on my face, nobody will notice. <laughs> yeah, I'm a brownie. But if they throw mud on your face, he said, Peter, we have to do it. Now, why do I say that, guys? Please, New Zealand has people who are capable of doing things. After the whole thing, they called me. They said, six months, we will wait. We will see what happens. Can you believe it, guys? All the 30 got healed. Can we give a clap offering to the Lord? Yeah. I cried. In many churches, they just stopped and they put the TV. Now, yes, I thought New Zealand was my home, but God said, move to America. Of course, he said, I want to send you to certain countries which you've never visited, the Caribbean, South America, Latinos. I said, fine. I said, fine. So I am a traveler. And pastor said, my mandate is for a local church. Yes. God told me, if I want to do something, if I want to do something, the first group of people whom I would like to connect is a local church. It doesn't matter what denomination, what doctrine, how big is the church. But I will ask the church. That's what God told me. I will ask the church whether the church can work with me. If the church is not willing to work with me, I know you are shocked. There are many churches who say, but this is our. God says, let them do their own stuff. So he asked me, would you like to go to many churches? So I took a goal. At the moment, my personal goal is to step into at least 100 churches in a year. Again, why do I say that? I'm also a Kiwi. <laughs> Don't look at like, well, please, ask her. She let me in. From the day I came to this nation, the only thing God tells me is, Peter, I want millions in New Zealand to turn to me. And I'm swearing, he doesn't say that about America. He doesn't say that about Australia. I tell God it's not fair. 
This time, yes, the mandate was. The government wanted us to be here for three months. Normally, I come to New Zealand for 10 days, and then I visit at least four or five countries around and go back. I told my wife, three months, I can't get stuck in New Zealand. Yeah, I don't want to. Three months? But the Lord said, go. He said, invest your life. He didn't say, give your time. I said, I don't understand. He said, take every opportunity. Talk to every person. And he put this, this whole word called quickening in my spirit. Quickening, 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 quickening. In New Zealand, I was running a lot of conferences called awakening. I wish they called it quickening. Because people awake and then go back to sleep. So I asked the Lord, what is quickening? He said, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. And then the Lord said, tell this nation again, either millions turn back to me or millions turn away from me. It's a very, very crucial season. God said, I will never stop loving this nation, but I cannot trust this nation if this nation doesn't turn back to me. How many of you know God can love anybody, but God cannot work with everybody? God can love anybody. Today, most of the preachers are preaching about how God can love, how God can show mercy, grace. It'll never fail. It'll never stop. But if God has to work with somebody, he has to trust that person, and he has to depend on that person. So even this morning, I was on the plane. I went to sleep at 2 o'clock. Morning, I woke up at about 4.30. I was on a plane. I just came. I'm sorry, I apologize. It came slightly late. But the Lord put this whole scheme, saying, Peter, challenge this church, how they would fit into the larger picture, the bigger picture. So if you can put the scriptures, ma'am, I'll be very happy. Is it, is it possible? Or somebody can read. I want somebody to come up and read the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 13. Yeah, you can come here, ma'am. Yes. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 13 to 38. Yeah. <clears throat> 13 to 38. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go, tell your master, Elijah is here, and he will kill me. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives... Before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll take over. Guys, yes. Somebody has to go and present themselves. God's people were challenged. They were persecuted. They were killed. Well... In my country, India, churches are being set fire. 
Just yesterday, somebody told me in Canada, churches are being burnt. Praise God. See, New Zealand is well protected in every area. That means God is building a model in New Zealand. Simple, not even one death. So do you mean to say you pray more than other people? You mean to say you release the supernatural? Many times God says, Peter, even the Kiwis don't know much about what I'm doing in the nation. So the prophets are all hiding. What does it mean? Prophets are all doing Zoom meetings. Hallelujah. Zooming in, zooming out. Zooming in, zooming out. And then they are on Facebook, they are on TikTok, Instagram. And Obadiah himself is a prophet. <laughs> He's having a feeding program. Hallelujah. I like that. Elijah says, man, call some ravens. Obadiah says, no, no, no. I'm raising an offering. I have to give my... And all that Elijah said was, we need to present ourselves. We need to present ourselves. So, I mean, Elijah must have said, Obadiah, Elijah must have felt, or he would have believed, Obadiah would say, me, 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 I'll come with you. And I have hundred prophets here. Hundred prophets. We'll all go together. We'll all go together. We'll all go together. But Obadiah would have said, we're just having a prayer meeting. Then a Bible study. Then a worship service. You go. You go. And he says, they hate you. Definitely they're going to kill you. Elijah would have cried. Man, come on. Come on. What do you pray for? What do you worship for? What do you declare? What do you proclaim? Revival, revival, revival. Let's do it. Not now, sir. Not now. Not now. You know, from the time I came, guys, please, I'm pouring out my heart. Every two days I've been traveling in this nation. I'm meeting so many people in the prophetic. I said, come, come together. We are waiting on the Lord. I said, how long are you going to wait? How long? God is showing us. A lady said, he's shown her 81 visions. 81. She's recorded all of them. And she wants to talk to me about all of them. I said, please, 81 visions? And what are you doing? I'm waiting for one more confirmation. A lady started explaining her dream to me. I saw a lion, a lion became a tiger, a tiger became a horse, the horse became a rabbit, the rabbit became a mushroom. And then she asked me, what is the interpretation? I said, cook the mushroom and eat it. <laughs> what else? 
Basically, yeah, if it comes to mushroom, please cook it and eat it. Two years. I'm not, I'm not saying judgment. I'm talking activation. I'm talking activation. If you look at the life of this man, after that he goes, he challenges Ahab. He challenges 850 false prophets. 850, not one person. And he says, you guys do whatever you want. But let the Lord, let God, let God answer by fire. Let God answer by fire. And they do. They do their own thing. They do their own thing. They do their own thing. And then he rebuilds the altar. And then he cries to the Lord. And the fire falls. And the fire falls. I want to share three things, my brother, my sister. The first thing, the first thing. It takes a while for anybody to understand that God wants to trust you and me more than us trusting him. How many of you can handle that? God will never ask you what you did. God will never ask you why you did. The Bible says... David was a man after God's own heart. Between Saul and David, David committed more sins than Saul. Saul never touched somebody else's wife. Saul never murdered somebody else's husband. One stupid mistake David did. 70,000 people died just like that. But when David realized that God is still willing to trust him more, he cries, and please, create in me a clean heart. Please don't take away the Holy Spirit from me. Can I become a person of your own heart? You can't qualify. You can't qualify. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. That's what God tells me again and again. Peter, please, I am trusting you. Even if you make stupid mistakes. I'm trusting you. Elijah tried to tell people, man, please. I used to live in a place called Tishbe. God is sending me. And God wants me to present myself to Ahab. Present, present myself. Help me, help me, help me. The second thing, God would want to see what you are willing to challenge. After going to America, I've learned to attend so many conferences. America breeds a conference culture. And particularly where I live, it's a place called Charlotte. Rick Joyner is there. Elevation Church is there. Elevation is only 30 minutes from my house. I belong to a church, which is a large church. 
my pastor, his name is Peter Wins. He's a grandson of Derek Prince. He's Peter, he calls me the Peter. Yeah, he loves me a lot. I went and told him when I joined the church, so 50 Sundays I won't be there. He smiled and said, even those two Sundays, I don't want to see your face. Go do what God tells. He trusts me a lot. He trusts me a lot. He says, Peter, just go do, just go do, just go do. Mahesh Shauda is there. Wherever he walks, gold dust, silver dust. Todd Bentley is there. All these legends are there. But I'm still asking myself, then why are still people going to hell? Sometimes, I mean, I met some of these people. I said, can we all work together? They looked at me. Will you come to my next conference? I said, can we do something together? I went and asked my pastor, why don't you all do something? He cried. He said, Peter, I can't even have a cup of coffee with them. They are so busy. I'm not against it, guys. I fully understand. I fully understand. But if we do not challenge things, then we will be constantly challenged. We will be constantly challenged. Most of the Christians, they ask three questions. The first question is, why they are doing this to me? I'm not talking about your husband at all. Praise God, my wife is not here. Why they are doing this to me? Why they are not doing this to me? I don't know what God is doing. That's a common thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't know. How will God feel? He says, I'm always with you. I will never leave you. I'm always at work. And somebody says, I don't know. Challenging. Challenging. You guys are becoming too serious. A young man did not get a job. <clears throat> he was going around the whole city looking for a job. But there was a huge zoo there, a zoo. And there was a big board saying, there's a vacancy, there's a vacancy. He rushed, met with the zoo manager and said, this is my CV, please. Give me any job, give me any job. I can give a shower to the elephant. I can feed the hippo, I can feed the snake, I can give a shower to the flamingo, whatever, whatever. The manager looked at him and he said, one minute, and he opened a cupboard. He took a costume and gave it to the boy and said, put on the costume. He gladly put on the costume. It was a costume of a chimpanzee. So the manager said, you got the job. He said, what job? Outfit, chimpanzee. The boy said, are you crazy? This is a zoo. This is not Disney World. Why do you make me do this? The manager said, just shut up. Today, animals are singing, dancing, throwing stuff at each other. And kids want to watch animals singing, dancing, talking, laughing, 
But when kids come to the zoo, the hippo goes down under the water, it doesn't come out. The snake doesn't even want to show its head. The elephant doesn't want to move. Even the tiger is snoring. So kids are bored coming to the zoo, but we had a chimp. He was an entertainer. He could play with kids. He could throw stuff, he would laugh, he would cackle, he could do somersault, he could do anything. But the chimp died. So we need a good chimp. And you exactly fit that costume. Yeah, we'll teach you to walk like a chimp, dance like a chimp. We'll train you. We open the zoo at 9 o'clock, you come at 8 o'clock, we'll give you a good breakfast. And it's a huge place, it's not a cage at all. The whole thing is open, you can do whatever you want. 5 o'clock we close the zoo, go home. Nobody will know you're the chimp. And we'll pay you well. The boy flipped for it, he said no problem. They trained him, so then. He made an appearance, they put a huge ad on the newspaper, we have a new chimp. And people started coming from faraway places. The zoo business was going very high. But one day when he was swinging from a branch to another branch, his hand slipped and went and fell into the next cage, the cage of a lion. He saw the lion there, he just froze, and he just laid down, he couldn't even move. Now all the kids are screaming, get up, kung fu, kick, swing, do something, run. He just froze. The kids were screaming. <coughs> the lion got up, roared majestically, maybe shook his head, went around the whole place, and then came to him. He was so scared. The lion started sniffing him right from his feet came up to his head. When he came close to the head, the boy could not control himself. He started screaming, help, 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 somebody help me. The lion said, shut up, otherwise both of us will lose our jobs. <laughs> Mom, can I come back again? See, if you do not challenge things, see, Jesus challenged. He challenged himself. Challenged himself. Constantly he said, yes, me and my father, me and my father, me and my father, me and my father. He never said, I need to do the Daniel fast, the Esther march, Joshua march. Today, so many people are resorting to things which is... I'm, I'm, I'm saying they're all essential. But what do you like to confront? Today in New Zealand, the church has to confront certain things through its spiritual empowerment. I don't want to use a word called sin at all. Today, nobody talks about sin. But there is a godly lifestyle. Elijah kept on crying, I'm the only one, I'm the only one, I'm the only one. Basically of saying, leave me alone. Leave me alone. 850 forces of darkness 
one man standing against. It's exactly New Zealand. It's exactly New Zealand. You know, it's very funny. This time, some people of the one party, I don't know politics at all. They flew down from Christchurch to meet me. Yesterday, somebody drove from Tauranga, and they asked me, so Peter, what is God saying? I asked these people here in the party, what is God saying to you? We don't know. So they've invited me to go to Christchurch just to be with some of these party people. But I praise God, I praise God that some people are willing to stand up. The third thing, the man had to make God work. The man had to make God work. How many of you have tried that? See, Jesus said, me and the Father are working together. Me and the Father are working together. There are many times God tells me, hey, Peter, can we go to that nation? Can we go to that nation? Can we? Can we? Can we do something for him? Can we do something for her? It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. But when it happens, it's awesome. I was recently traveling. I was flying to London. And a young man was sitting beside me. Put on his ear flugs and listening to good music. I mean, that's what happens in the plane. God told me, tell him, tell him he should not commit suicide. I looked at him. He was a very young guy, much taller than me. I told God, please, big mistake. He's a young guy, enjoying himself. And this is a plane. It's not a church. How do I tell him? He said, please, Peter, tell him. Tell him. So I gently nudged him. He ignored me because he thought I'm trying to lean on him. But I had to do it really well. And then he got annoyed. He pulled his ear up and said, what's wrong with you? I said, man, please. You don't need to commit suicide. And I turned that side. After three, four minutes, he nudged me. He said, what did you say? I said, please, you don't need to commit suicide. He said, how do you know? I said, but my God just told me. He said, who are you? I said, I'm just a man of God. He asked me, when did he say? I just, just now. And then he asked me, are you a Catholic? I said, why? He said, no, I want to do some confession. He works for the U.S. Marine. 29 years old. He works in a country called Cyprus, in a U.S. base. He has a girlfriend. He wanted to surprise, give a surprise to his girlfriend. So he brought a bunch of flowers, went to see her. And when he saw through the window, he saw his girlfriend being very intimate 
with his best friend. And he told me he was so angry that he wanted to just pull the gun and kill her. In America, it's possible. Everybody carries a gun. And then he was watching. He says, I was watching them. I was watching them. And both of them were having a great time. So I thought, I'll kill him. I'll kill him. And then I started thinking, if I kill her, I will be sad. If I kill him, she will be sad. It's better I kill myself. So he said, I went and bought poison. It's in my suitcase. I wanted to go get drunk, get drunk, get drunk, and have poison and die. I said, please, don't do that. Don't do that. I held his hand. I said, would you like to come back to Jesus? When he was eight years old, he accepted Christ. <clears throat> when he was 13 years old, somebody gave him a baptism. He said, I'm coming back. And then he said, can you do something? I said, what? We are six of us, he said. All of them need Jesus. So he would get up, he'll go and tap a guy, he'll come and sit here, and I need to do the whole thing. Then he will go and sit. So the air hostess came and said, what's wrong? Because all these guys were crying. I said, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. And the guy said, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. Air hostess said, send him back. I had to go sit with them and lead them to Christ. Learn to work with God. Learn to work with God. Elijah kept on saying, God, please, I'm in this widow's house. Can we do something? Can we do something? Can we do something? Otherwise, this widow, her son, they will die, God. They will die. They will die. The widow's son died. Elijah cried, can we do something? Can we do something? The fire, can we do something? Can we do something? And then he brought the rain. He brought the rain. Now guys, <clears throat> you may ask me, so Peter Kumar, are you preaching to me? Or are you preaching to this church? Or are you preaching to New Zealand? Up to you. Most of us, we listen to the whole thing and we say it's very interesting, but not for me. And some of us are too smart, not now, actually I want to do it, but not now. I don't know much about the center church at all, I don't know. But God told me five things about this church. Five things. The first thing is, this church has certain foundations. A lot of people don't like that foundation. They're kind of strict about the foundation. When I say strict, they don't impose it, but they don't want to move the foundations. How many of you know if you move the foundation, the whole building will? Number two, this church accepts all kinds of people. Number three, this church is open to 
connect with anybody. They never judge anybody. For many of you, this is like a home. This is like an abode. You are well accepted and you are well respected. The fourth thing, the key leaders are crying for revival. They are training people and they want to see the fruit. They want to see the fruit. They want to see the fruit. A lot of people came, they left. They came, they left. Why did they leave? Because they felt that what they wanted could not be done here. How many of you know, sometimes we, we take our own agenda to the church. I'm part of a large church. I'm a leader there, the core group. Many times my pastor asked me, so Peter, what do you want to do? I say, no. The moment I enter here, I'm part of your family. You tell me what to do. So if he wants me to attend a particular meeting, he sends me a text three months before. He knows all my travels are booked. You know, guys, I want to take just five more minutes. When Elijah rebuilt the altar, when Elijah rebuilt the altar, can we read that man? The book of 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, can you read from verse maybe uh, 32 onwards? Yep. Verse, what verse? 32. 32. 32. Okay, then with, then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two sears of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. Listen, guys. And it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Thank you. We've heard this 27,000 times. But listen, Elijah is asking people to connect with a vision, to connect with a purpose, to activate, say that to activate. One more time. One more time. One more time. Yes, he said the fire has to come, guys. And everybody said Hallelujah. And then he said, pour water. How many of you like that? Not just once. Not just twice. 
three times. How many of you would like to do that? See, this is where many people have problems. We want everybody to conform to our own understanding and misunderstanding. Hallelujah. And I don't know how those guys who were pouring water would do it the second and the third time. Just think about it. I mean, please, you can call it motivation, you can call it submission, you can call it authority, but it's a dumb thing to do. <laughs> I mean, imagine if they had asked some question, man, please, are you really hearing God? Is God really showing you? And why are you not pouring water? You pour. Why do you ask me? That's funny. You ask me to do it? Everybody's watching me. This is center church. The mission may be crazy, but it is time to activate. It is time to activate. It is time to activate. Please, guys, please. I don't know anything. My heart's cry is that somebody, somewhere, some church, bring down the fire. This nation is crying. This nation is crying. Every time God says, they don't know the difference between the left hand and the right hand, Peter. You know, I love New Zealand because people in New Zealand, they don't know how to tell lies. Of course, now they are changing. Yeah. Please, I mean, don't look at me like that. Even now, I know people in New Zealand. I mean, recently, I was at Christchurch. They don't even lock their house. In America, if you do that, somebody will take your house and your neighbor's house. This nation is different. I tell Americans, learn from New Zealanders. The hearts are pure. That is why I think God loves this nation. So ask yourself, today you're listening to me. Very soon you're going to walk out of the place. Ask yourself, can I trust myself? with God, what God has put in my heart. Can I trust myself with what God had put in my heart? Elijah had to say, I'm the only one, I'm the only one, I'm the only one, I'm the only one, because he had to say it again and again and again, just to trust himself. Because he was scared. He was discouraged that nobody stood with him. The second thing, Ask this question, if God would begin to trust me more, what would he want to do in me and through me? In me and through me. In me and through me.
And finally, if millions of New Zealanders need to turn to the Lord, I met with some church leaders. I put a suggestion in a church. I said, in a church, I said, choose, choose about 100 churches all across New Zealand. 100. It can be random churches, but they should be willing. Say that willing. One more time. One more time. One more time. And in each church, recruit three people. Please, in a church of 100, 200, 2,000, recruit three, to three people, maximum five, and give them a mandate, not training. Make them commit to bring three people to Jesus every month. 30 days, three people. That means 300 people, minimum turning to the Lord, anywhere in this nation. That means in one year, we are talking about how many? Hmm? What? 3,600 souls in one year. It will be a huge testimony. And then recruit about 300 people, I said, who will invest $100 a month, $100 a month to support this work. Because so many people, Bible college students, have come out, nobody to support them. Recently, a guy was painting. I was staying in a house. The guy was painting the fence. God told me he's got a call upon his life. I called him. I was having coffee with him. And I told him, what are you doing with your call? He said, Peter, I don't know what to do. I went through the Bible school. Nobody's supporting me. I have a wife and two children. I can't let my children suffer. I said, can you talk to your pastor? He said, I spoke many times. If, if, if 200, 300 people engage themselves, they don't need to do big things. Support New Zealanders to reach New Zealand. Create a movement. Create a movement. Create a movement. Guys, I'm grateful to the pastors. So I want somebody to play the keyboard. I mean, keyboard. Or, yeah, who was playing the keyboard? Yeah. Listen, guys, listen. I'm going to go into a time of ministry. But this is for New Zealand. So if any of you would say, Peter Kumar, I'm trying to connect with your heart. I'm trying to connect with your heart. Along with whatever I do, I can be a praise and worship leader, I can be a counselor, I can be an usher, I can give my tithe, my offering, I can be an intercessor, a prophetic vessel, but along with whatever I'm doing now, I have a job, I'm retired, but along with, along with, along with, this is July, August, September, October, November, December, five months. 
How many of you would say, Peter Kumar, I want God to trust me to bring at least three people to Jesus before December 31st? Five months. Bringing three people to Jesus. That means you will personally make heaven rejoice three times. If you say, I will try, I want you to stand up and come forward. I will try. I will try. I will try. The worship team, you guys want to sing something? Guys, again, please, this is for New Zealand. This is for New Zealand. And if you step out, who knows? God may bring people to this church. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Can I ask you guys to do something? How many of you know the national anthem of this country? I want all of you to hold hands. And I wanted to sing that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.